time for Larry Knows Balls. My guest tonight is the Sacramento Chicken, the San Diego Badger, the Milwaukee Kraken, Marcus the Mad Dog Haugen. And I'm your host, Larry. p.m. 2022. Marcus of many names is here and we are talking all sorts of sports. We're going to start with the San Diego Padres. First of all, Marcus, how are you? Yep, doing pretty good, Larry. Uh, Yep. You know, Padres off to a great start. That always makes everything better. It sure does. Um, And off to a really flaming start, though he's cooled down a little bit lately. In the first month of the season was our favorite Padre, Jerickson Profar, who was our mystery utility man. (laughs) Yes, and friend of the podcast. Friend of the show, I would say. Yeah. Jurassic Park, as I like to call him. Um, oh, that's a good nickname for him. Yeah, I always see that when I see his name printed. Uh, yeah, but he started off. He was like hit. He was hitting dingers. He was. He had this one game against the Reds where he homered and threw out a guy at the plate. Uh, his defense has been great. Um, the hitting has cooled off. Yes. His, his hitting has actually been shit um, overall since well, the first few weeks. Yeah, but there are like some underlying things to him. I was trying to like pull up his baseball savant thing, but like. You know, it's a probably a too simplistic a metric, but when you see a guy with like a 153 BABIP, you're yeah. like, this guy's getting having some tough luck, even tough if he is luck. popping up the ball too much, maybe. But I guess his walk rate must be actually his walk rate and his ISO are not bad. No, not at all. I mean, to have a 297 OBP when your BABIP is that bad, it's He's definitely showing like plate discipline in a way he hasn't before. Right. So that's that's great. That means if that Babip can get up, um, yeah, he might actually be like an average hitter. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, to go with his great defense and his great base running, it's like he's he's, show, he's showing signs of all the tools that were kind of there when he was a prospect. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those tough things where like, it's the only like career, like being an athlete is the only career where you're not allowed to like still be learning stuff into your late twenties. Like, <laughs> oh, like if he was ever going to click, it would have been by now. But yeah. It is that way. Yeah. Or at least like it's out of the question now that he's going to be, it's not out of the question, but it's very, very unlikely that he'll ever, he'll be, a, he'll have a hall of fame career. Yeah, that would be a huge surprise. Yeah, right. And um, yeah, it's even unlikely that he'll make like three all-star teams, but things could happen. I mean, Cronenworth made an all-star team kind of late in his career, I guess. That's true. Yeah, though he's been sucking at the plate as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I feel like the story of this year is, oh, the league is kind of sucking at the plate. Mm. Um, But I do, you know, again, like, 323 on base percentage with a 204 average is not, you know, they, they've been very patient at the plate so far this year as a team, really. Yeah. I mean, that's great to see. And that's yeah. without Tatis, obviously. Yes. Tatis still going to be gone for a while. <laughs> um, yeah. You were saying like about athletes are the only like kind of position where, you know, you're, you're expected to be done learning in your mid twenties or, done most yeah. of your learning um because i guess if you lose just a little bit of bat speed or or um you know a step whatever 
a little bit on your arm, even like which happens in your early 30s, like that's enough to make you not as good as the competition. Whereas right. in a sport where it's both about athleticism and storytelling, and that is professional wrestling, um, mm. losing a half a step doesn't necessarily hurt you against the competition. Uh, so no. actually pro wrestlers actually kind of peak when they're like 35. That's when they've like really learned their way around the ring and how to tell stories in the ring and out of the ring. And, you know, and the fans have had time to really bond with them. Yeah. Like, okay. Now it's his turn. Yeah. And some keep yeah. going until their sixties, which is both sad and amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, going back to jerks and profar, uh, I think the yes. story of him is awesome. He, um, I was looking this up. He, uh, he was initially signed by the Texas Rangers in 09. Yes. Uh, was in their minor league system for a few years in 2011 in the South Atlantic League. He was the SAL MVP of 2011, and that wow. got him to being, in 2012, the the seventh overall prospect in all of baseball. By 2013, he was the number one prospect in all of baseball as a shortstop, and then I think when he was brought up, he was to play second base and replace... Ian Kinsler, <clears throat> the Rangers. Um, but yeah, didn't do that well, had injuries. So, um, and was shipped to Oakland, didn't do that well, to San no. Diego, didn't do that well. And then this year, kind of, or, you know, he's, he's no, as we were talking about, no longer an MVP type player, but showing, showing the signs of what made him such a highly touted prospect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, I, all these guys know how to play baseball, just some better than others. Yeah. So I went back in time to when he went to the year 2012 when he had just okay. won the 2011 Sal MVP and uh, he was the seventh ranked prospect in all of baseball. He was playing for the double A Hickory Crawdads. And I got, oh, wow. I got this. Um, if you look right here. This Whoa. 2012 pocket calendar with him Holy on the cover. Shit. Yeah. And uh, wow. yeah. that's quite a find. Yeah. And not much money. <laughs> <Didn't come laughs> and uh, if you look at the schedule, it's got a it's got a schedule for all the crawdad games in 2012, including that's cool. um, Star Wars night. Um, hmm. It looks like April. April 27th was Bark at the Park slash Star Trek night. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. May 15th was, I don't know exactly how that works, but I don't... Wait, I can see it. Yeah. May 15th was... It's probably not going to focus. Too much of a glare. Mm. Almost see it. Ah. Okay. Agoraphobia night. Agoraphobia night. Uh, wow. Which, what, what do you do? You just don't go to the game? <laughs> you just don't go to the game? I don't know. Yeah, they don't sell any tickets. <laughs> and they're like, we did it! Another win for minor league baseball. Well, um, yes, yeah, so I found this, and I'm going to put it up on the little wall of fame over here. Oh, within the Okina. There we go. <laughs> so wow. everybody could see that very easily. It's it's, yes. it's clear what that is. Oh, identifiable. Like, oh, you got a Hickory Crawdad's pocket calendar. Oh, that's the 2012 version, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's an item. Uh, hopefully many more. I do have an item. Um, in uh, It's another item the size of that pocket calendar. That's gonna go up okay. on the wall when 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 it becomes appropriate time wise, which should be in the next year or two. Uh, hopefully, I'm still alive and doing the podcast. Yeah, I hope so too. That's very mysterious of you. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah, mysterious <laughs> the object. I guess I was adding intrigue by uh, making it seem like there's an element of risk to my life going on. <laughs> 
Yeah. Or one might even sort of tie the two together and be like, oh, because he possesses this object, his life is in danger. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It could be, maybe it's the gemstone, Kevin Garnett's gem from Uncut Gems. Oh, you took the opal? I took it. And now he's mad. Wow. And him and Adam Sandler are coming after me. <laughs> oh, totally it to a gem! <laughs> <laughs> if... If Adam Sandler from that movie is still alive, I would be very surprised. That would be a surprise twist if they ever did yeah. a sequel to that movie. I guess we spoiled it. Um, but you know what? You you had your chance. You had your chance. Um, you know, I, I actually hope that uh, I get in trouble for spoiling the movie because that means people are listening to the show. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. <laughs> so listen that's to how... That's how all the big podcasters get their start. They start spoiling movies just to see who's listening. <laughs> yeah, making big announcements, threats to public officials, all that stuff. Like, hmm, the FBI isn't at my house, so I still have some <laughs> audience building to do. Yeah, that's how they, that's how they used to do analytics before all these podcast networks had analytics built yeah, in. How many special agents showed up to your door? <laughs> what uh, what hat are you wearing? Uh, this is a Canapolis Cannonballers hat. Canapolis? Where is Canapolis? It is in North Carolina. Where exactly, I could not tell you. Mm. It's between Canada and Annapolis. Uh, probably not if it's in North Carolina. Yeah, I guess it would be maybe between Cape Canaveral and Annapolis. Yes, that's how it got the name. That's sure. how it got the name. Yeah. And uh, it's a minor league baseball team, I presume? It is, yeah. And uh, uh, it's like an even evil Knievel themed hat. That's right. It's got like the fake goggles stitched on there and stuff. Yeah, because it's like they're yeah. getting shot out of cannonballs or out of cannons. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good name for a team. <laughs> they they don't <laughs> cannon uh, human cannon balls don't get a lot of representation. No, it's they're almost like a forgotten thing of the past. So I'm glad someone's still working to keep the memory alive. Yeah, that's you. Yeah. It also um, it reminds me of Homestar Runner a bit. That's kind of Homestar's mm. colors, and he had a star. That's why it was yeah. Homestar. Yeah. Could, that's cool. Could. I like it. I feel a little bit like I like almost like I'm a cartoon character when I wear it. <laughs> it does. I mean, it's like cartoon goggles. It really like yeah. if you like if you really wore the brim low, I could think that those are your eyes. Oh, that's true. Or I could cut some eye holes in it. <laughs> Put some googly eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or yeah, our eye holes, as you said, and just get a really big one so it goes over your yeah. face. Like a size 14 or something. <laughs> yeah, a Kevin Mench hat. Oh, that's right. Famously big head, Kevin Mench. Famously big head. Uh, he could have pulled that off. That that, that Yeah, he trip. could have done it. I'm pretty sure he was traded for... Um, was it Nelson Cruz like eight million years ago? Uh, it's very possible. I thought you were going to say Jerry Profile. No. no. Um, I think it's Nelson Cruz. That's probably right. Yeah. Like straight up where he was the main piece. Yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because Nelson Cruz was, this is when I was living in Wisconsin and Nelson Cruz was like a big brewer's prospect and they traded him for Kevin Mesh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that turned out well. And, and then Nelson Cruz, uh, he's someone who kept learning into his late 20s and early 30s. Yeah, he definitely learned. I, I don't. Think at some point, he learned to take performance enhancing drugs. Got <laughs> a bit of trouble, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Jerickson Profar, it's time to do that. Well, yeah, it's never too late. It's never too late. Speaking of uh, prospects with the Padres, um, yeah, someone who was at one point the top left-handed pitcher pitching prospect in all of baseball and one of the Padres yeah. best prospect Mackenzie Gore uh off to a he's he's a rookie he was brought up uh, kind of unexpectedly after struggling for the last few years in the minors and has been throwing strikes and doing really well 
Yeah, he's been really strong so far. Um, I know that like like any player who gets off to as hot a start as he has, there's some luck involved there, mm-hmm. but like it's really hard to complain. Like and very fun player to watch. He really sort of leans back and whips that ball. Oh yeah. <laughs> he whips that baseball by you. Yeah. That uh do you mean he has like a um Tim Lincecum esque delivery? No, I mean it's just the speed on it. It's like holy shit, this guy's throwing some real gas. Oh yeah. What yeah. what is what does he hit on his fastball? Like, 98, 99. Wow. Yeah. I mean all these guys throw hard now, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, he looks like he's going to be a really good player. That's great. What what is um yeah according to Baseball Savant or one of those sites um anything specific jumped out jump out to you at his, about his stats? Um, I mean you know there's the eighty two percent left on base rate is what I was meaning mostly in terms of like the luck stuff mm. and it's like the amount of fly balls that turn into homers is pretty low, but like these sort of predictive stats, like, or I guess like the deeper analysis stats, like FIP and stuff say he's basically earned his performance right. so far, which is pretty good. Yeah. I think I was looking on fan graphs and his XCR expected ERA and expected FIP were, were both pretty solid. Yeah. So yeah, you said 82% left on base rate. Yeah. Yeah. That'll uh, just a bit high. That'll go down as as JP's BABIP goes up. Yeah, they. That's the one rule: is jerks and profar hits for both teams. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Almost like Shohei Otani, but more of a universal DH, I guess. Yeah, he just like all time hitter, old Sandlot rules. Yeah, and if there's anybody who's who you're gonna pick to do that, it's Jerks and Profar for sure. Yeah, I mean he's he's still learning. He needs the extra bat. It's true. That would be very nice of of the other team to help him out in that way. Yeah, it's true. And then you know they reap the rewards when he figures something out. They sure do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. At least in the present, they don't get it. Yeah. For the for his future. But anyway, Gore pitching well, which has kind of been a theme for the Padres the first time in a while that their starting pitching has been excellent. Yeah. You, I feel like the story like last year was they had accumulated all these great players and then all of them got hurt to the point where they were like starting Jake Jer- or Jake Arietta, who they had like pulled off the street a week earlier. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to see things going well. Joe Musgrove has been great. I have him on my fantasy team, so I know he's played almost exclusively bad hitting lineups. So nice. that certainly helps. But yeah, they're all doing really well. Uh, Musgrove Minaya, had a, who they were, Musgrove had a no hitter into the seventh. No, no, someone else did. It was was it Manaya? No, think the team. Right. The team had a no. Damn it! No, that was the Mets. It was Manaya who had a no hitter. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm not exactly sure, but that sounds right. I mean, he has gotten blown up a couple of times recently. Yeah, he started off very strong. He started out really good. And Darvish is pitching pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's like one of those guys, like I forget where I heard it, but someone was like, you Darvish is basically like matchup immune, like – if he's got it, no one can hit him. And if he doesn't, anyone can. <laughs> and like, I think like that's kind of been the story so far this year. There's been some real highs and some real lows. Mm. Darvish going to Darvish. Yeah. But um, the guy we traded Chris Paddock for Taylor Rogers has been like a really great reliever so far. Yeah. Um, I guess the rest of their bullpen hasn't been that great. Right. Yeah, it hasn't been perfect, certainly. Um, I mean, Pierce Johnson, who I didn't know too terribly well before this year, I'm like looking at the numbers now, he's striking out 40% of the guys he's faced, but he's only pitched six innings. Okay. Um, But like, you know, that's 
very cool. <laughs> yeah, don't pitch anymore. You know, it reminds me of uh, someone else on the board there, Frank Nelikina. Uh, you know, people are always comparing those two guys because yeah. he um, he's actually in the last two games played like he's been. I mean, he's like their ninth man, or he was their tenth man. Now he's the ninth man for the Mavs, but he played like real minutes in games that they won. Um, not a lot, like seven minutes per game, seven to ten minutes per game. And uh, in both games, or between the two games, I guess, he's taken two three-pointers, uh, and he's, mm. two, he's two for two from three. Wow. There's only two shots, and so there's only two shots, I think, ever in playoff basketball. So he uh, is has a pretty good playoff record. Yeah, he should just retire. Yeah. And then, that's straight to the Hall of Fame. He's already on my Wall of Fame. Uh, but yeah, he, now I'm get on the big wall. Um, so yeah, keep going with uh, before I rudely interrupted you. Oh no, you're good. I mean, I feel like you know, it feels like you can't ever really ensure pitcher health, but they Padres are certainly not like risk averse. So like mm-hmm. you know, Blake Snell, who I feel like has had some injury issues, I think. Hasn't really pitched this year. Mike Clevenger just came back. He was a big acquisition in 2020. Yeah. Um, had a very, I'm coming back from TJ start where like you could see the flashes, but also his control was all over the place. So hopefully yeah, at hope- some point. Yeah. If those two get play. going, if those two are able to get their health and their sea legs, then yeah. Uh, and that's a that's a be, formidable rotation. Be a really strong staff, and I know I've heard like sort of talk about like you know what happens with uh, once those guys come back, and then uh, Nick Martinez, who they like brought over from Japan, and they can't send down to the minors. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to go to like a six man rotation? Does Mackenzie Gore have to go to like the bullpen or back to the minors? Like, what do they do there? Like, I'm not really opposed to them just doing a six man and letting everyone rest. And I feel like probably like partly protect Gore's arm. Yeah. That's a good way to protect it. I think putting him to the bullpen with all the like ups and downs he's been through yeah. uh, is kind of a bad idea. I think so too. I, if they were going to play around with Mackenzie Gore that way, I would actually rather they sent him to triple a and just keep him starting. Yeah. I know that like, a lot of teams are like really deriving a lot of value from like these like three inning long relief guys, which I think would be the plan. But even so, I feel like it probably puts more strain on you than yeah. just having an actual routine. So has, has Nick Martinez been pitching so far this year? Yeah, he's been pitching. He's not been great. I think it's like the actual like, uh, sort of data and like the way his pitches are moving and stuff suggests he's like a pretty average pitcher. So maybe there's like some nerve things or not like being nervous going on, but like the control really hasn't been there. Um, Maybe it would even make sense to move him into like a long relief role if there Mm -hmm. became like a roster crunch where he could, cause he's not the hardest thrower, but maybe he could dial it up a little bit. And also the control becomes less of an issue when you're not pitching so many innings. Right. Yeah. And those are good guys to have. I mean, in the playoffs, if you need an opener, but also I guess if you want to, if you want to go the Blake's, if you want to take Blake Snell out in the bottom of the fifth. Yes. Because he's gone through the order twice, then get that Nick Martinez who could go three innings to go through the order a third time. Yeah, I think the Rays would have won the World Series if they, if yeah. they had Nick Martinez. That was their that was the real mistake. Yeah, they left Nick Martinez in Japan. <laughs> yeah, I mean Snell Schmel. I mean we've seen what Snell's done since. Yeah, nothing. That's basically, that's it, all. That's was what he was going to do starting the next at bat. Yeah, he's just like keeps sort of reliving. Moment in his head. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, Snell, I saw, is uh, unique for having a single digit 
number as a starting pitcher, which is apparently rare. Does Gore oh, as does Gore as well? I don't know. Can't yeah, I'm honestly not exactly sure either. But that is interesting. I hadn't really thought about the fact that most of those guys don't do that. Yeah, I, I saw it. Um, I mean, I only know because I saw it mentioned on either baseball tonight or something like that. It looks like Gore is number one. Oh, so he definitely is. Um. Uh, I, you know, none of these. Mackenzie Gore jersey number. Oh. Number one, like Amari Stoudemire. Wow. That's probably why I chose it, right? Yeah. Gotta be. All right. Um, and to round out. Padres talk, Manny Machado. Uh, yes. I just checked. He was number one in league leading war, uh, according to fan graphs. So he's been, I mean, he's like the, uh, he's got to be the favorite for NL MVP at this point. Yeah. He's also a great start. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. He's a great player. Like yeah. he's, he's just, in the crap out of the ball. He was kind of their only guy last year who, um, I mean, he famously was yelling at Tatis in the dugout for not giving a shit. Yes. I I do think, like, you know, I feel like, I don't know if it's, like, really happened with, like, this recent round of big contracts, but, like, you could see someone getting, like, the kind of money he's getting paid and being like, okay, like, I'm going to coast into you know, the second half of my career. And he really hasn't done that. I think he legitimately wants to win in San Diego, which is cool. Yeah. Cause they're, I mean, last year they were supposed to be a real contender, but yeah. now, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. If, uh, you know, Snell, Clevenger, and then Tatis is supposed to come back in a few months or is it maybe not going to happen this year? I think they were saying about half the year, which would be like the beginning of July, I think. Okay. That's how we'll ring in um, America's birthday. Yeah, he's going to come back because America needs him. <laughs> it's going to come back on a f- sitting on a firework, just riding oh, that would into be the cool. arena. Yeah, with a riding evil in. Knievel helmet on. Yeah, at that point, you've got to give him the MVP. <laughs> if he could pull that off. If he could yeah. get a size 14 version of your hat, with the eye holes cut out. Yes, yeah, so he's got to let Kevin Mench ruin a hat. <laughs> yeah. They're going to have to bring Kevin Mench out of retirement for this job. When he promised he was done. <laughs> he said he'd never do this again. <laughs> uh, he can't quit. All right, so <clears throat> I guess the other hitter to mention is Eric Cosmer, having a very nice year when it seemed like he yeah. was ready to tail off. Um, so, yeah, I think good things in store for the San Diego Padres. Yeah, certainly off to a very uh, pleasing start. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Dodgers are in the division, so. Uh, the Giants are still very good. Right. So, it's yeah. it's a tough situation. I like but... I like the wild card format they settled on for this year. Where it's and it's a yeah. best in their best of three series, right? That's right. Right. And three wild card teams. Um, yeah. Uh, should be cool. Should be yeah. cool. All right. In the National Basketball Association, um, yes. the playoffs are going on. I think you, you heard about this, right? I have heard about yeah. this. So Golden State Warriors are up three to one and my feeling, I don't know if, if you feel this way, is it's just it's starting to feel like not just the old Warriors. I mean, that's kind of obvious, but it's like they, to me, feel like the prohibitive favorite at this point. Yeah, it it certainly seems so. I, I don't know. I feel like the conversation around them has sort of turned uh, mm-hmm. to the point where, like, everyone's like, oh, it'd be fun for them to win again. They've 
been through so much. I still don't like them. I don't want them to win. Yeah. But I don't know. The the Suns and Mavericks, I think, have sort of poked holes in each other in a way. Whereas, like, the Grizzlies, especially now that John Morant is out, is they're not really going to provide a ton of resistance yeah. to what seems like a pretty good team. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, Phoenix, I could see getting their groove back because um, Aiton's kind of sucked this series against Dallas, and he should be able to dominate them because they're not that big, the Mavs. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't been, and uh, Mavs are feisty, and they've got Frank Nelikina, so I can understand why they're hard to beat. Yeah, he's never missed a three-pointer in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, what are you supposed to do when you're going against that? Yeah. It's unstoppable. It really is. Um, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm glad the world's finally waking up. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think Phoenix. You know, Phoenix gets back. I, I I still I still would pick them to win against Dallas, and then that'd be a great a great semifinal match, a great Western Conference sure. Finals them versus Golden State. The big news is Golden State. Uh, they won last night. No John Morant, but the Golden State Warriors were without Steve Kerr. Um, I think he was back issues or something of the like. And assistant coach Mike Brown had to take over, head coach in duties. Yes. Mike Brown uh, was recently hired to be the head coach, the new head coach for the Sacramento Kings. He was, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that? I don't know. I like. <laughs> I'm not that excited about it to right. be honest feels like another like, retread right yeah i you know i wonder if maybe a little bit the kings is like a hard job to like get the flashiest names in there yeah but it's like you know i know he's had a winning record i feel like he really stacked wins during the early lebron years though and mm-hmm. so it's like i don't i haven't heard really seen anything that he's like that impressive of a strategist and then you know like we've tried the steve kerr coaching tree before and it went horribly like I i'm not think about that that yeah with um with um what's his face luke luke walton luke walton yeah. yeah yeah um and and i think like well first of all I, if I'm a Kings fan, I'd be grateful that they didn't sign Mark Jackson. Yes. Uh, it could have been worse. Could have been certainly. worse. Sacramento Kings could have been worse. I, yeah, I would like to get a guy who's like innovative, um, maybe a, a college coach um, or, or maybe James Borrego, who was just fired from Charlotte. I think he's, yeah. he's a great coach. Um, yeah. He's sort of like, I guess in some ways has like more experience working with sort of these like talented young players who haven't quite found their groove yet. Yeah. I think Charlotte was that situation in a lot of ways. Yeah. Cause I think they just, they need, I don't know what they need exactly. Like Mike Brown is kind of the coach you bring in to bring like respectability to the team. And I don't know, in a way that like Thibodeau was, kind of brought in for the Knicks and it kind of worked at least in the first year. Um, yeah. I, that doesn't seem necessarily what Sacramento needs. Yeah. Is he, I don't know. He doesn't have like the disciplinarian vibe of Thibodeau though, does he? No, I don't, not that I know of. It's like, I guess he doesn't have like the sort of player credentials, but like in some ways, like I feel like it's almost like Doc Rivers adjacent where it's right. like, he's like a, it seems like he's like a good, he's like had success sort of managing egos and like locker rooms with superstars. But yeah, I don't know if he's ever been like a guy who like, I've ever heard anything about like, this guy's like a brilliant tactician with a system. Right. Uh, I mean, he, I, yeah, I guess I wonder if he's picked up some of that or, or if he's just like kind of been known for it in his role with the Warriors. I don't really know. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure either. It, I think you all like you always want your team to like hire like a flashy, cool hire. Yeah, this certainly isn't that. It's very like meat and potatoes. Yeah, 
But uh, yeah, I, I I'm with you. Where like yeah, a player's coach with like who's good at managing egos, it doesn't really matter for a team that doesn't really have stars. No, I like be, and I would have been more interested if they had got someone's like this guy is really gonna like try some weird stuff. Like <laughs> even like um like like uh like lots of like Harlem Globetrotter moves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They had hired some of the Harlem, the entire Harlem Globetrotters to be a team coach. Yeah. That, yeah. That would but even like, I remember like Jason Kidd, like when he first went to the Bucks, like no one was like, oh, this guy's like the best coach. But he was sure was trying like some weird stuff, especially mm-hmm. defensively, that actually worked for a minute. And yeah. I feel like, hey, look, I just like, I worry this is going to be like too much of like stuff they've tried before that didn't work. But, you know, I, I'm open to being pleasantly surprised. Yeah. So again, um, you know, Sacramento's in the lottery. Um, assuming they were to get even the top pick overall, do you have any thoughts yeah. of who you'd like to see them take? Um, I, if they got like a very high pick, like I think, I know like, he sort of had some flaws revealed, but Chet Holmgren to me is like the most interesting upside play, mm-hmm. which it's like, they don't really need a complimentary piece. Even like, you know, I know the guys they have are like sort of like B tier, maybe B minus tier stars, but like you, it, the team doesn't have to long-term be built around Sabonis and Fox. Like, yeah. And so, like, it's, like, I'm less worried about who fits with them and more, like, man, if Holmgren actually, like, hit the ceiling, he's the most interesting, like, top of the draft board player to me. Yeah. Um, I, I think you definitely go for top best available and don't think about, like, who's sure. going to be in the future. And um, I think I I think I would do that, too, if I were them. Um, I don't know if, if the Knicks were the, got the number one pick. I don't know. I had to do some research. I mean, I think I'm leaning Jabari Smith uh, just because... He's a good player. Yeah, him, him, or, him or Chet. Uh, you know, I fear... I mean, I'd rather they just fire Thibodeau, but like, I feel like Chet Holmgren, <laughs> Chet Holmgren makes no sense with Thibodeau, who just wants like a traditional rim protector... Like no. there were these shot charts, uh, and, and granted they are these types of players, but um, Mitch Robinson and Jericho Sims, who played a lot of center for the Knicks this year, like none of their shots were like beyond eight feet from the basket. Yeah, um, which and they had incredibly high field goal percentages as a result, and you know that's their plan. But uh, it would kind of be hilarious if they got Chet Holmgren. And he wasn't allowed to take jump shots, which is like his whole value. I, I could totally see that happening with with Tim Thibodeau still going. Yeah, or he just refuses to play him because he hates young players. <laughs> God, oh man, he's it's just he's so, an idiot. He is. I, I talked myself into it when he was first hired, but like, so it never rubbed me the right way. And it's just, you know, he really showed his stubbornness this year and in the first year, they just kind of played really hard and did kind of well. But yeah, like it's just every, and and the worst part about it is it's like all the, like you don't need to know much kind of critiques of Tom Thibodeau, like minutes allocation, not playing young players, playing some guys too long, like too many minutes in a game. Like, I don't know if I, if I was known for, I don't know if I if I was known if like if I had the reputation of talking about if, ever, if people were like you can't listen to that podcast he talks about Frank Nilakina too much, <laughs> um, and like I, I was starting a new job in a new place and like that was the yeah. that was some of the criticism about me at this radio station, <laughs> then I, I, would, yeah. I would do my, I would like not want to get fired for talking about Frank Nilakina too much. Yeah, of course. Or like, <laughs> it, you have to believe at this point that like people in the front office have come to him with like good data. That's like, 
here is the impact of playing players this much. Here's what you're doing to them. Yeah. Like he has to have like facts in front of him at this point that tell him it's stupid and he still won't stop. stop. (laughs) He's just like, oh, okay. And then just goes out and still does whatever. It felt like that Bulls, like I feel like in some ways that Bulls team was like a curse for the rest of the NBA because it was just like, he fell into the perfect situation with like Jimmy Butler and like Taj Gibson and these guys who were good and Mm -hmm. very disrespected and were willing to just run through a brick wall and like run themselves into the ground. Yeah. And everyone's like, Oh, this guy's actually like a really smart, good coach. And he just lucked into the perfect situation. And then it's like, Oh, it's never going to be recreated. (laughs) He needed that exact thing to be in place. And, and he kind of got that out of the Knicks last year because I think they were like yeah. Julius Randle was tired of being disrespected and like they, they wanted to finally have a good season. And it worked for one year um, yeah. of just them playing their asses off. He, he is good at some things like scheming wise, but it's just the stubbornness and the and the minute allocation. It's just ridiculous. And like if if the Knicks front office does indeed feel that way, then then it then it's on them for not firing him. Yeah, of course. Because he's gonna do what he's gonna do. So Yeah, I mean it's on them for hiring him too. Right, right. If they if they can recognize the stupidest stupidness of this, which <laughs> you would hope they would, but maybe they can't. Yeah. Like I hear some people talking about, you know, what kind of moves the Knicks should make and, and speculate on things like if if they get like, say they were to sign Jalen Brunson, and a lot of people want Emmanuel quickly to be the secondary ball handler and play, either be the starting point guard or or the, the bench point guard who sometimes plays alongside the starting point guard if it is someone like Brunson. And they're like, well, we would have to trade Derrick Rose so that Thibodeau doesn't play him instead. It's like... Yeah, maybe that's not the solution. <laughs> I mean, yeah, trade Derrick Rose, but it's like you can't try to save Thibodeau from himself. But yeah, it's like why is he the coach if your front office is making moves based on preventing him from doing <laughs> yeah. stupid stuff? I mean, maybe the answer is they they don't think he's they need to prevent him from doing stupid stuff, and they think he's a great coach. So they might. I feel yeah. like sometimes these coaches do like they come in and they like are able to sort of win over people through like some sort of social thing. I'm sure that Tom Thibodeau is a very confident guy. Yeah. Like when he comes in to interview as the head coach, like I'm sure he like really projects authority. Yeah. And I'm sure like uh, people around the league love him. People who love basketball strategy. Cause he could talk like defensive <laughs> schemes all day and he's good. He's good at that. And it's just like, he, his his he can't make in-game adjustments and he can't yeah. like he has no sense of <laughs> he has no sense of like how tired guys are and how much they've played and when and like he can't think beyond like just line change style substitutions yeah it's like too, almost like too bad that like he keeps getting head coaching opportunities because doesn't it seem like he would have like an amazing impact on a team where like there's already an established head coach who like he can't threaten, but like, then he could just be like defensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. like scheme guy, like even like put him under doc rivers in Philadelphia. And like, I think he could have like an amazing impact, but he's like, keeps getting offered like full jobs or like, or like, um, Working with like Greg Popovich, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he could do like some really cool stuff for a team, but he keeps getting too much responsibility. He should be like the Norv Turner of basketball. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's it. If is is Norv Turner considered? I mean, he was always like a coordin- like a well known coordinator. So yeah, or, like- but there's definitely like defense guys too. Like, right. are the same thing. Like, who's that? Man who oh like Monty Kiffin who was like uh-huh. defensive coordinator till he was like eighty seven years old. <laughs> yeah, 
But like that feels like it'd be such a better fit for him to like let someone else actually be the leader and him get to just sort of play with his whiteboard. Yeah, I think so too. And I, who knows if he would ever want to do that. Well, in um, so we talked a bit about the Western Conference. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, who do you see as the two teams emerging into the conference finals? That's a good question. Um, I think Miami's probably going to win. I like, I know both these series are tight, but Miami just feels like it has like such great depth to it in a way Philadelphia doesn't. That like, I just like don't, I don't believe in James Harden at all. I think <laughs> James Harden is not a, like winning playoff player, right. even if he ever was, he certainly isn't like a guy who's meaningful. Like the fact that like all the headlines were like James Harden really turned it on. He's and back. It's like <laughs> he's back, and it's like he shot okay and scored thirty points. It's like that's not you don't mm-hmm. celebrate stars who like can carry your team once. That way. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that like Miami just like is eventually going to wear them down. Um, and then I, I really want it to be the Bucks, And I think they've like really for them to hold their own without Chris Middleton has been really impressive, mm-hmm. but I think the Celtics are probably going to overwhelm them. It's a lot to put on Giannis, even though he is like crazy strong. I think that like game after game after game of just like Al Horford and Grant Williams slamming into you, yeah. Like, and you having to take that many shots, I think he probably starts sort of wilting under that too. So you're saying Boston, Miami? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it, it's a tough one. I, I'm going to go with, with Philly and Milwaukee, but interesting. Um, I'm going Philly just because like Embiid has really changed the seas- the series so much, and Kyle Lowry's out. He's out for Game Five, yeah. um, and and they're the Heat are just not playing that well right now. Obviously, they could turn that all around. Boston, Milwaukee. I don't really know. I'm also impressed of how the how well they're playing without Middleton. Um, I'm mostly just picking Milwaukee because I want to root for them and not for Boston. Yeah, I. I want them to. I honestly like if I had to pick a favorite team that's left, I would want Milwaukee to repeat. I just don't mm-hmm. think they're going to do it. Yeah, if they get out of this round, though, um, I think they could beat either Miami or Philly. And yeah, then, and then especially they're... if like Middleton is back and not and like mm-hmm. at full speed. They're, yeah. I think they're definitely better than either of those teams. Right, and then it seems like they should almost definitely have him back for the finals if they make it that far. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. It's interesting here. Cause there's almost all the teams have a chance except probably Memphis at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be surprised if Dallas made it into the NBA finals. Yeah. That is, but I think especially the way Phoenix is playing right now, they certainly could pull an upset there. Yeah. I, I, I I gotta think Phoenix. I mean, I I would definitely. I, <clears throat> I would if I would pick Phoenix to win Game Five, which is not going out on a limb, but it's like, it's as must win as it gets. I think for them, yeah. more than it is for Dallas. Yeah, I'm kind of like I feel like if I had to like put like odds on it, I'm like, Phoenix is like I think. 70% Dallas is 30 in terms of like the odds I think of who's going to advance, but mm-hmm. I, it's certainly within the realm of possibility to me. Yep. Yep. Um, should be a fun time. And um, yeah, maybe Doc Rivers is in the finals. Uh, Doc Rivers and Mike Brown. <laughs> he certainly could be. Oh, I mean, it's been talked about, but that thing where he was, like, throwing his old, like, Orlando Magic teams under the bus was so funny. I I heard just a little bit about that story. What ha- Was this a recent thing? Yeah. It yeah. was, like, it, it, there's something where, like, a reporter was sort of questioning his 
sort of playoff track record. Uh-huh. And he's like, all the teams I've ever coached have been horrible. Look at my <laughs> Orlando Magic roster. <laughs> wow. And didn't he like also kind of throw Paul George under the bus his last yes. year in, in LA? Yeah. <laughs> he's a player's coach. <laughs> yeah, as long as it doesn't involve him taking any blame. Yeah. Uh, that's that's pretty great. All right. Well, um, go Padres, go Bucks, um, and uh, I'm saying go Mavs because I want to see more Frank. Um, yeah. What uh, what do you have to plug these days? Um, what do I have to plug? Well, it's Armory Comedy as always. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think you can find more about that at thearmorycomedy.com. And uh, I've been writing uh, a lot of book reviews. So follow me on Goodreads. Yeah, follow Marcus Haugen on Goodreads. At Marcus Haugen on Goodreads. Yeah. Yeah. And follow at Larry the Athlete on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Peloton. And uh, you can subscribe to Larry Knows Sports wherever you get your podcasts. May all your dreams be hoop dreams, and may the rest of your days be days of thunder. <laughs>